0: This is Guyden, manager of Al Ain, and you're listening to the San Pedro FIFA League Podcast. Hey everybody, it's George Tillo and welcome back to the San Pedro FIFA League Podcast. It's been a weird couple weeks. Um, we had a change in the power dynamic in our league. I will get to that later in the podcast, um, but that was the reason we were delayed so much. We have... Payouts to talk about in this show. We have a lot of the league schedule that is still a little iffy, but we have the window on April 30th, uh, which does begin to beg the question of how this window is going to go. We also have the news that the PS4 extension will be extended. So, for those of you who have a PS5 already, you can play the PS4 version on your PS5, um, and you could switch back and forth. I'm assuming. After this season, we will officially move to the PS5. This coming after a lot of, uh, out of, I would say, a minor outcry for those who do not have a PS5A or who just are coming into the league. Speaking of people that are just coming into the league, we need three to four people to fill out that second division. That's going to be a topic later on as well. Uh, just preparing you guys for what is The beginning of season four of our podcast, I know it seems abrupt to end season three without all the other accolades, but as we go into the 10th season of the San Pedro FIFA League, things are changing a bit. What is being asked of myself uh, as far as the media goes in our league and the way we're going to create content, we're kind of pressing the reset button. Uh, So unfortunately, guys, for those of you who were hoping your guy was going to be in Team of the Season, unfortunately, we're just not going to do that right now because this turnaround is so immediate. We need to turn around and focus on what is to come. Uh, So that's just a couple things to highlight in this podcast and just to talk about. Um, I will try and get better at the other media aspects that we have. It's been kind of hectic and sometimes it's hard to want to think about content on my own. Um, But... That being said, uh, there is still going to be some recognition for those of you who are still in our league. Unfortunately, we said goodbye to a couple people. I will get to that as well and what that means ultimately for our first and second divisions and what are the plays and things that can happen. What are the scenarios that we can go through to decide on what we're going to do in the future if we do not get those four other members to join Um but anyways, yeah, we're going to we're obviously going to get you guys uh into all those conversations. I just wanted to kind of summarize it. That's something that uh um I just think needs to be done before we get to talking about stuff so that people know that what we are discussing uh that has not always been clear on previous podcasts, but for season 4 we're going to try and be a little bit better about it. Obviously, I'm going to try this season to kind of kick up, it, kick it up a notch as far as interviews, uh, manager analysis, and the way we dive into every single game every week on the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. So here it is. Okay, so today on this week's episode, this week... We are going to talk about the various news that have come down, um, just multiple announcements uh, we've lost. and Actually, let's start with the biggest one, in my opinion, and it's a domino effect for everything else, uh, but Ryan and Joey, the commissioner and treasurer of our league, the, fa- the co-founders of our league, and part of the original group of guys to obviously help create this league to what it is now have stepped down. They are just going to be regular league members. They are no longer in control of anything uh, but being legacy founders of the of the league. And they obviously have their own clubs to worry about now. And I think this for them, that project of building something up for the last 10, uh, nine seasons can make them feel really good. I think there's a lot of positives that they take as they go into the future and obviously, I will try to get them on the show because we do have a weird climate for, I would say, desire more so of what these managers are now thinking. With the turnaround being so quick, Um, you know, maybe these guys are looking forward to it, not having that responsibility. But this left to be creating somewhat of a new world order in our league. Uh You have Dre. And Serge, who will take over as the main component, but then you also have Santi of Leon and Evan of Barcelona joining their group. Um, and I have to say, so far, this is exactly how you want to transition to go. There's a couple last minute things that got added on, um, and I will speak to those things in just a bit, but as far as you know Ryan and the rest of this team and how they were before, the First, I would say day that Dre was a I wouldn't say officially in charge, but one of the first acts is that he talked to me, and he really was straightforward. He's going to be very transparent, whereas the previous regime kind of worked in a little bit more secrecy, and and I think it had more so to do with the fact that they had a roadmap, they wanted to keep it quiet, whereas Dre likes to kind of express that roadmap, get it out in the open, ask the questions abruptly, and kind of be a little bit more upfront. Uh, This has its pros and cons, of course, just like the other way would, right? I mean, being in a little bit more secret, being a little bit more, um, I would say, contained and a little bit more uh, patient with the way they reveal stuff has its pros and cons as well. So Dre is a little bit more upfront. This is going to be something that a lot of us may have to get used to as well, um, besides the fact that he's extremely sarcastic. But uh, as far as the aqueducts of their new rule that these guys are going to have. Um, obviously, it's very important that certain people have different roles. And we're going to see how these two board members really take control. Evan has been made in charge of wagers. And as far as we know, Santi is still in control of the FA Cup, um, which is pretty common, um, I guess, at this stage of Dre's rule to kind of deviate all the responsibilities away from just one person we've seen in the past and it could be due to burnout that Ryan and Joey are just kind of like, my goodness, we've been doing so much for so long. Can these guys do the same thing? Can they adhere to the charter? Can they adhere to the laws of the league in the sense of things that are maybe unwritten, uh, maybe things that just out of respect, you know, quote-unquote gentlemen's agreements. How, how are these guys going to do? I think so far the reception has been very positive. Um, and I think that's a good start. You, you never want to feel like you have to, when you take over for someone who did something very confounding, and credit to Ryan and Joey for doing something very nice and creating this league for us, something to waste our time with, and then you get two new people or four new people in a sense now in – in contempt of power, how do they do stuff going forward? Uh, obviously, I think for the first couple seasons they'll be under the microscope. Um, it'll be very interesting. And in times that I've talked to Dre, um, that openness—let's see if that lasts over the course of his reign and control, along with Surge. How open are they? Uh, so far, they've been very positive. They've been very good about it. But how do we set this train off right? And uh, I think we do it by talking about the payouts, uh, and that leads me obviously to these payouts and the the creation of them. To be so early and transparent in the season before we're even kicking off the season, we ended off, you know, with the top team getting fifty one million euros and getting a. Champions League bonus. So let me explain this because Dre kind of broke it down for me. He even called me on the phone. He he wanted this to be something that was explained. This is important, I think, for people to understand is that what you have is essentially incentive to finish in the top four. And people are like, well, we had that before. There was incentive. You get a good seating. Well, now more than ever, there is a Desire to finish in the top four in our league, not only when you get will you get five million more, but you will also get high seating going into the f a cup now this does not exclude the fact that we have the twitch cup that I, you know we'll try to talk about today on today's show um, because there's so much to get to, but there are different tournaments that are going to be changed now the f a cup as far as I know is going to remain the same everybody will be qualifying for it. And it won't affect what division you are in. Now, the payouts are going to be a little weird, and they could change in the sense of positioning. What I mean by that is that even though they've been very open with the fact of the matter of how much you'll make, there's no guarantee we're going to have 20 teams in the first division unless they've already told Al and you're going up. I'm assuming Josh has been given the green light to go back up. A lot of this news is still murky, and a lot of those decisions have not been made. Unless they've been made in private, they haven't been made official just yet. Where I'm a little confused is that if we do not get those extra three to four members, what becomes of the second division? And obviously we had the news of the Super League and all that other nonsense. This is not what's going to happen. But, you know, in talking to Dre and just and, and having that open conversation with him, you know I asked him, what is the chances that we adopt a system where we have a set number of people in our league, and we are not letting anybody else in and kind of getting in a way a franchise of our league Now you could still have promotion relegation within those those members we currently have. The problem is is that every time we add new people uh, for the most part. They have not stuck around for whatever reason. And it's not really on them, but we lost AC Milan. We lost Young Boys. You know, two teams that have been around for a pretty solid amount of time. And they've built up what were, I think, very solid teams. You know, Atletico Nacional, Benfica walking away. Those are all teams that were going to be in the second division. Yeah, I have no news on BVB, you know, and, and Wayne's crew. But I'm hoping that they stay. And I think regardless, if you have eight in the second division, I think some people are starting to clamor for the fact that we've had this conversation before. You know, we're having this conversation of incentives and what to work hard for. It's going to be hard to pitch those other payouts if those eight teams are like, okay, so we're battling for 35 mil, all eight of us. We're just going to play each other all season. I think those payouts being transparent is a great thing. But the fact of the matter is, is that we don't have, of all the roadmaps that we have so far, the one we don't have is one about how does the second division survive. And the reason I'm correlating the payouts with that is that you're going to have an eight-team division, and one of the three of those teams are going to go up. They're going to get paid very decently. Uh, versus some of the teams in the top division. And really, this would be the first time I could argue that D1 would have a sizable gap in not just competition, but gratuity of the of the league season would be very devastating. Now, Dre has told me straight up that they would consider making mandatory friendlies a thing, uh, kind of a developmental league for D2. The reason I think that is dangerous, and then, and I didn't express this to Dre in the moment because... You know, there, there's nothing official about this yet. But if it, that does become true, the only danger I see in that is guys won't want to play their friendlies. I think people would see the developmental league as a waste of time, and therefore you would also have other teams quitting. Now, a few managers have come to me, and I'm, I'm, I could count up to eight different managers have brought this to my attention. Um, none are on the board. So other people have felt this way. Uh, It's not some strong feeling, but they would be open to the fact of having a closed league. Now, I don't know what that means. You break off into two conferences. You play everybody once. I don't know. And some people are like, I don't want the MLS model. Well, you don't have to have playoffs. But at that point, you would pretty much say you would have playoffs because you're not playing everybody twice. We've done that before in our league. It was terrible. I mean, I cannot express to you playing that many games. It's such a long season, but we're getting dangerously close to that territory if we do not at least get 12 people. I would say even 10 would be an okay number for D2. The problem with that is there's always someone who's got to finish last. And I think if you're finishing last, playing the better people, what that does is it naturally develops your game. If a team like Atlanta United, who's been playing better and playing better down in D2 now gets a chance to just kind of have an acclimation to the league of playing the best teams year in, year out. They'll have a better understanding of what they need. That's just an example. I'm not saying Mike has expressed that to me, but look at a team like Manchester City. Speaking of Mike, this is a team that's had to formulate a plan to get up. I know it would kind of take away from their story in the season they had, but you, if you're a team that just got promoted, like a Bayern or a Shanghai or a City, you just came off of beating these teams. You're going to feel a little bit more confident. Now I know a lot of people are like, well, these other teams aren't going to feel good about losing all these games. Let me tell you something. If they know they're going to be playing top competition, season in, season out, the approach to the offseason changes. The way they look at these payouts and the upfrontness of this new regime will be a, or B, a little bit more appreciated, I think, because now they know what they're working towards. So that upfrontness really does, and those payouts, really do would incentivize teams, I think, if we had a closed league. Now, this kind of came out of left field from some of the people I heard from. I, I was actually kind of shocked that these people were like, you know what, let's just do a playoff. Let's see how this works. Let's be open to it, and let's close the league, because we're having to, it's a revolving door. Guys are constantly leaving. Oh, they finished last. They quit. They know they're going to D2. That's a thing. I mean, it's been a thing for a while, and unfortunately, this is where we're at. I mean, I don't see how we get out of it, but I can imagine a 28-team league, you know, maybe you max it out at 32, and you can put 14 teams in each conference, and... You know, obviously, you can do a conference draw. You know, you could make it a little bit more of a thing where playoffs are random, and you can kind of give everyone a fair chance. We're kind of seeing that now. Obviously, the reaction of the Super League. But if you give everyone a chance, you don't know. I mean, hell, I, I've had Atlanta United piss me off. I mean, and 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 get in my way and play me very tough, and play some other teams very tough. And I think if they didn't have to rely just on the FA Cup to play their big matches, they might actually be in a better place, especially with the incentive to make that money that is currently there now. Another incentive I do like as we continue to move on with all this news that we have, and some people may feel weird about the closed league dynamic that I tried to link there. Maybe it's not a perfect link. Maybe it's not a perfect uh, explanation. Well, it's still a conversation that needs to happen. As for the rest of the payouts, we, one thing I did like that Dre was explaining to me in our conversation was how important it is to incentivize the middle of the table. And we've seen this in real sports, in real life. They're trying to incentivize the mid-table teams. We see it in soccer, obviously, a lot, with not only the Champions League to play against the best teams in the world, but the Europa League. And one of the main importances here is that the next four teams, so five, six, seven, eight. We'll also get a bonus for finishing in this part of the table. This will eliminate those teams who get comfy in the middle of the table and loan out all their players from doing so if they want to make an extra three mil. Now, does this eliminate a team from that's very talented, may pick up a ton of injuries, uh, may just not be having a good season, take advantage of the loan market come mid-table? No. It doesn't stop those teams. But it'll give the number of teams that vastly does it a second thought. And it'll really make them a little bit more conscious in the market. Especially that midseason market. Um, because it's so vast. Depending on what you need, teams are very quick to acquire players in that window. Will that change? I don't think so. I think guys will still be aggressive. And if anything, we might see the market market a little bit more stimulated if teams are like, "Hey, I want that extra three mil at the end of the season. I'm willing to pay for that," um, or maybe they're fighting for a you know a top four spot and they want the good seating for the FA Cup, which guys, is still going to be a thing, even at some point. And if these guys change their mind, then the top eight and you know and the top eight go to the playoffs. This is something that also can be incentivized. This could be another way to incentivize you to push for the playoffs. Maybe you don't want to have to deal with an, an extra part of your season after playing all those games, and you're like, hey, I don't really feel like it, whatever this could be a way of getting you to go. You not only get an extra three mil, but you get a chance to play for more money. This is something that is probably being in the works, and I know that finally me dropping a podcast and kind of getting your guys' reaction will be very heavy on what this league does uh, because now there are new people in charge. There are four new people who may be more open to ideas that previously haven't been around because of the current situation we're in. We're not saying... This is something that we need to live and die on. But there are so many good things that we've seen from these announcements. But there are some things we still need to consider. And one of them, and the main one that I keep bringing up, is the fact that if we don't get three, four more guys to join this league, I I think that could be something very seriously problematic. We have teams also wanting to redraft. Um, so that's another kind of thing that is going to be interesting As we go along, I I don't just see why guys would do it Um, specifically as well. If we do something along Santi's model, which I will get to after I take this break, but if we do something along those lines, why not close the league? You would have people very different teams. The teams would not only get younger, but the overalls would very much dip I think what it would do is it would add that parody that we're so much craving for. But we cannot do what we've done the past couple seasons, and that's turn a blind eye to the second division. We need to continuously look at this division as the grassroots part of our league. And if we keep ignoring it, you're going to have the eight amount of people that are all constantly in it. And we're going to struggle for numbers down there. Promotion relegation is good when you have a vast. Thousands of teams, right now, we do not have that capability. And with guys getting older in their lives and responsibilities become more of a thing, unless you're committed, maybe we should close the league because we don't need revolving doors. This would affect free agents. Yeah, sure, teams would probably be better and the market at some point might need to be sterilized. But at the end of the day, we will still see guys pay a lot of money and it's not like we've ever reached that level where we have super teams besides the two right now and if they if like I said I will talk more about Santi's proposal after the break but if we go with that one it would really really re- restart this league for probably the next 10 seasons we'll be right back after this okay thank you guys for letting me take a break there Santi's proposal is very important Now that he is A, a board member, and B, he's been a long-term member of this league in general. But what he's kind of given us is actually something I think very, very keen to pay attention to. Not only does it neutralize something that... These 90 overall players have, and that is the sustainability that they didn't have in the past of playing multiple seasons, even into their late 30s. We're seeing that with Ronaldo. Messi isn't quite in his late 30s. He's going towards the middle of his 30s, but he is still very dominant. Neymar is getting into the latter years of his career, but he's still dominant. Now, Kevin De Bruyne, I mean, Mo Salah is still only 27, 28. So we are seeing these guys... Uh, last a long time, but usually when you have a guy in his 20s, he's going to last you at least five, six seasons more uh, unless you want to transfer him out. So we're seeing this longevity. How do we combat that? Well, Santi has given us a proposal, and I will read it to you here. The first one is that you will get one player of 86 overall. And I think that is very important. You know, it's one of 86 overall or below. So, for example, I will use Leicester City in this. I would keep Ikir Munayin. He's an 83 overall. I would be able to keep him. Now, a lot of people are worried about loans and they're worried about all these other things. Um, I, I think if we did a redraft, a lot of that would go out the window. I know a lot of people are really kind of hankering on those funds, but maybe the league could work something out there. I'm not too sure. But as far as this goes... I like this, but I would keep Munayin, he would be my focal point, and he would be my guy. Now, the second part of this is that you keep two players at 83 overall and below. And then you would have one player of 81 overall or below. So we're looking at three players. In this case, because my team isn't very developed, where this is good, and I agree with Santi on this, is it allows me to keep three important pieces of my team along with my 86 overall or under, which would be Moon Munayin. But if I'm looking at the rest of my roster, it's basically a keeper league mentality. Who do I want to keep? Well, I'm going to keep my keeper around in Dean Henderson. He would be my 81 overall or lower. And then my other two would probably be Christian Teo, who is a 79 overall. And then I would look to keep probably a midfielder, depending on how their ratings jump in the next couple weeks here, but I would probably keep Ezri Konza, my center back. So we're looking at a center back I've kept. I've kept and Munayin, who's a cam, my goalkeeper and Dean Henderson, and Christian Teo, who is a very vast uh, moving attacker. He's very pacey. I'm keeping a part of my team that really keeps my identity. And then where it gets interesting is that you have two seventy-seven overalls or below that you get to keep. This is to give you the opportunity to protect two young players. Now, a lot of us have talked in the past about how to redo a redraft. This is actually a good idea because like I've talked about, I've talked about four different players. One's a cam, one's a keeper, one's a center back, and one's an attacking player. Now, I would personally keep Ishmael ben and I would definitely keep Weston McKinney, both being 77 overalls. Now, if we're going to do this redraft, though, we need to do it fast. And yes, we could go by merit. We can give the top teams the first opportunity. They would still get the money in the market, or you can do it randomly. <laughs> Who gets to do it first? That would throw a big curveball. You would have a redraft. Uh, lottery that would be fun I think that would be a different dynamic to be thrown into our league as we look towards the future now do we have enough time for this I don't think so I think Dre has already talked about that there won't be a redraft but I think that there is an opportunity to maybe discuss this I before things get too late maybe push the window back I don't because I don't think we're ready for a window I personally don't (laughs) I think we could wait one more month I know guys are like open the damn window blah 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 there's still a lot of stuff to be sorted out. We don't know how the league is going to look with the amount of members we currently have. Can that survive? Can this model currently survive with the top-heavy talent that is sitting in the top of D1? I mean, we don't want to delude D1's numbers. They'll still be having 20 teams. Maybe there's a possibility we go to 18 teams. Who knows? But... At the end of the day, you're having D1 kind of be the main focus. Like I've talked about, you don't want to lose sight of D2. How do you not do that? You put them everyone to all together. You get a redraft. And I think that would be the thing that makes the most sense at the moment. Now, I know people are going to be like, well, George, if we get the four members, we're up to 32. Guys, we were at 32 the, late, the, the season. I won D2. I can tell you right now, playing against 12 people or 11 different people, it wasn't fun. You're better off putting these people together and just playing. And yes, 16 teams, I would cap out. I mean, how many games can we play a season? Even if we had 40 people and we broke off into two conferences and everybody had to play everybody either twice or once, that wouldn't be the worst thing either. You're still looking at 39 games. It's still about the same thing. And I, I got to say, it, I know it's frustrating for some people, but you know we're, we're trying to kind of be a little bit more open-minded with the fact of the matter that there isn't a true-end understanding of what they're going to do now. Things could change very quickly, day-to-day. Um, and like I said, Dre and, and, and company have been very transparent. I like this, though. You know, I mean, I already know who I'd keep because I've thought about it. And then obviously you would draft 76s or lower. I think that number could actually be even lower. I think we should play with grassroots players. I say we drop that number even lower and force people to use their money to rebuild their teams in the market. I would go 75 overall. I know that doesn't seem like a big difference, but it is. And you can have that redraft go through. And I I know people are like, well, it's going to take forever you're already protecting six players. Now, could we increase those numbers to make people feel better? Maybe we increase the 77 and 76 overalls. And we kind of let if you already have those kind of players, let them stay on your team. And then you get to protect with the other numbers, the 86 overalls, the 83 and the 81. Maybe we let those protections go to that instead. And then you can keep everyone under an 80. I don't know what amendments you could make to that to make everyone happy. It doesn't look like we're going to have a redraft right now, but I thought I would talk about this proposal because I actually like it. I thought it was a good idea. Uh, I still think it's a good idea and I think it's something that should be monitored as we go along. Because really right now we are just doing what we're told. We're we're learning the new confines in which we're going to operate in and whatever those are, we're going to have to kind of be literate to it and be paying attention uh because even though there's a new team, uh, new sheriff in town, uh, there still becomes the power of the people and the power of these clubs and how we operate uh, going forward. It needs to be organized, and this is a chance for them to do that. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'll obviously talk about some of the other news that's gone down and where we might be going on April 30th. All right, so welcome back to part three of the podcast, guys. I'm not trying to waste your time, but I before I forget, we do have two cups we'd like to talk about. One is the charity cup. I don't we don't officially have a name for it yet, but usually guys in the media we get to eventually have it. We don't have necessarily a sponsor, but the idea is to have $5 pitch in from every team that participates and de- and donate it to the charity of the winner's choice. Now this is something that in talking to Dre and getting together and, and putting this tournament so far together with him, I think me and him could say that this is our child of tournaments and we want to do what's best. I've been very proud to say that I I like when you donate. it's just a good feeling behind donating. Now, you could announce what charity you want with in reason. Um, and the only thing I can think of off the top of my head is when we say winner gets to choose the charity of their choice is that scene from the office, uh, on casino night. And it's, it's, it's a little ridiculous, but that is what we are trying to accomplish. Um, listen, $5 may not seem much to you and me, but when we get everyone together, 28 times five, I'm not going to do the math. Um, it, it could be a significant amount of money to someone else. And, with that being said, there is a huge and vast amounts of charities around the world and multiple causes to be fighting because, as humans, we are fighting wars on all fronts of not just racism but starvation. Um, those are just two things that come to my head and two things that I would probably donate to fight. Um, there is a huge gap in the economic wealth. There's another thing that we could be fighting, and people think that those things are political. I just want to say, before we even get that far is that you're out of your goddamn mind if you think economic wealth is political. No, it's uh, sociological. It is a huge thing. And I remember taking this in school, and you you have to understand the differences. This is not for each of you to wage a political war against each other, whether you're conservative or liberal. I don't give a shit. This is not the time to do it. We are here to help others that cannot help themselves. Okay. And that is your goal in life is to, with your life, help others improve theirs. And if you don't believe that, then I'm sorry uh, that your mom and dad don't love you. Um that being said, this tournament will take place. We're aiming for November. I think that's what Dre posted. But yes, that is the goal in mind. So hats off to the winner, whoever wins that, and whatever charity they eventually get to donate to. That would be awesome. I cannot wait for that one. The second one is that we are renaming the FA Cup very stupidly to the Heart Cup. I don't know what the hell that's about? Um, I don't agree with this by any means. I I know Ryan founded the league. Maybe name the division after him, the Heart Division. The Pieri division, and obviously the Pieri division's D2, because, I mean, come on, he's basically one bad playoff game from being in D2. I, I, I Now that I've gotten out of the news segments, this is the most fun I've been having so far. I do think this this is a nice gesture. It's a little bit of brown-nosing, in my opinion. Uh, but overall, I, I can't be mad that the founders of the league are being... Uh, given some love, I would actually have done the heart, the you know, the heart award be given to the MVP of our season or a peer award given to the league title name, the official league title name, uh, which actually would be pretty cool. You know, I mean, kind of like the Bill Russell Award um, or the Kobe Bryant Award in the All-Star Game. Something of that of that notion would have probably been a little bit better. Um And especially because it looks like we're on that trajectory to legitimize the team of the season and team of the week or team of the week, the team of the season and team of the months. Guys, I am going to work on that. I will try and have some type of thing set up with Dre and hopefully they could get that. As for man of the match, I have not spoken to them about that either. I think that should be something incentivized to make some money off of because it's kind of random. You can't work that as much you know, on who's going to win man of the match, um, which I kind of like, it could be very random who wins that, which would give another team an opportunity. Um, but yeah, that's where we're at. This is where we're at so far. Um, I know that a lot of us have to turn in our chart, you know, our, our team charts to the team, uh, to the, to the league, make sure that you get those in before the 30th. I know, uh, personally I got mine in, I know I was one of the first guys to get mine in. Um, it's a little bit cheating for me because I do have an inside track now with these guys and how transparent they are. So that being said that going forward, I am inclined to uh, to be a little bit more helpful this year. I know in the past I was like, guys, I don't know shit. This is not one of those times. This is one of the things that both of them have told me. They want me to have kind of more of a helpful activist kind of approach where if I see a problem, I can help it if I want is, is what I'm going to say. Um, but it's kind of good because I also still get to voice my opinion. And this is the bridge that we wanted to cross because I think it's very important uh, that I am not part of a group of people making decisions while also counteracting those decisions. That would not be a good idea. It would not be a good look for our league. So I am going to be basically where I was before, except now I'm going to have a lot more information at my hands. The league is going to be hopefully a little bit more straightforward Um but yeah, as far as that goes, guys, don't forget we have those things renamed, and I'm not gonna call it the Heart Cup. It just does not sound good at all. I don't even like his name at all in general. Like I, I don't know if if we could rename Ryan Hart, I, I would. Like I, I just I would. Um. Anyways. As for everything else, um, that is pretty much what we've got. I know the window on the 30th is something that I teased. I mean, in reality, we have a ways to go still. I know people are like, well, that's a week away. It is pretty much a week away. Um, I'd also like guys to focus on the fact that we're getting to a point where this new regime is going to get their train going. So get on the train, ask questions, be perceptive, be understanding. Now, we may not get a redraft. So the teams that we have set now, let's say it does not change, the approach pretty much runs the same. Now, I hope we still do something close to a closed league. I know guys are going to be like, why? I still think there's a lot of opportunity to entertain in this league. Um, and I think you should probably, if you're the league, I'm not trying to tell them what to do because we're trying to get off on the right foot here. I would talk to the D2 managers right now. I would say, guys, what do you guys want to do? Do you want to try and play these D1 teams? Do you want to try and be in multiple competitions against these guys throughout the course of the league season? If the overwhelming numbers is yes, you have your seedings. Drop us into different leagues. Now, our different conferences. People may not want to have that conversation, but guys, it may save the league in a way where. You see how the Super League was kind of stupid and it keeps all the money in one place. In this case, we want our product to be a little diluted in the fact that we're not stretching ourselves so far that we have members going in and out and players constantly having to be re- you know, rearranged on the rosters. This would be a headache removal for those in charge. And even though I know the four that are now in charge are very rock steady and hardworking guys, you know, and, and I know that they've put a lot of work into not just their lives, in the, but the, the livelihood of the time they've spent in our league. But let's lessen the headache so we don't have that burnout. So we keep that entertainment and energy level factoring in constantly every time we make a decision. Let's learn from the things we have made mistakes from in the past. and not just, I'm not just talking about those who were in charge either. I'm talking about those clubs who refuse to say something when they are upset or when they know their voice would probably change the turn of a lot of people's minds. And that is something very important. I would like that a top team is very active in our league. Um, I understand that Chris has been very quiet for the most part when it comes to certain things. Um, I still expect that to be the case. I'm not calling him out by any means, but I, I expect that to be the case. Uh, but going forward, I really look forward to maybe some more clubs speaking out and saying, maybe this is my, what, be what we need right now and yeah sure i wouldn't want to play chris twice a season either but at some point the parody is going to take over you saw how thin these pay lines are uh, and payouts are they could be rearranged i know dre doesn't want to hear that for a closed league um but it actually might save some of these d2 teams that are currently there from quitting they may feel like hey if I make the playoffs, I got a chance that's how I would see my team, and then we could all vote when a team joins the league. I think that's something that needs to be changed as well um I'm skipping kind of the final word here i didn't I don't want to take a break while I'm, this idea is very fresh, so I'm going to skip that to this week, but that is something that I think we should consider as well. That was something I was going to talk about eventually and i it's fresh in the mind right now. I'm just going to get to it but We should have a say on who comes into our league. It's not about the person, you know, or the relationship they have with the person that has introduced them to the league. Can we sustain another person being in the league? And this is why when I proposed that whole divisions thing, it seemed stupid at the time. We had so many members. We had a thriving D2. But now that's all up in question. I think there is a time and a place for everything— Right now, we need to ask those questions before we kick off what is going to be the 10th season of this league. We need to consider every single thing and we need to be dynamic and not be static like the people before us. And yes, I'm partially the blame. All of you are currently in the league right now. You have something of merit that you have left out at some point. We are all to blame for things we have or haven't done or we took too long to do. Now is not the time for that. We have new people in charge, new ideas a little bit probably more open-mindedness to change right now because there is a smaller amount of teams, whereas in the past you could understand why Ryan and and company didn't want to make vast changes because they had so many people to deal with. 28 is not the same as 30 or more. (laughs) That's a lot of players right now before you even get things going, before we even commit more people to this league that we A, don't know, you know, and we don't know how they, how you know, their aspects of their availability, can they actually play? And I hate to use certain teams as, as examples, but Miami, a great letter they wrote, I mean, my goodness, in and out, huh? I mean, my goodness, in and out, just like that. And I, I I'm not surprised by this. You know, I'm not surprised by that, but... The teams that have come forward and said they want to close league have honestly surprised me. I'm surprised by this. I think maybe they look back at where they were in their first three, four seasons of this league and how much fun it was then. Uh, I would consider Santi's redraft proposal. I would consider a lot of other things that we've seen so far. I love the payouts. I love that directness. I think that's something that a lot of people will enjoy something to work towards, it goals. And you'll hear from managers as I try and bring them on the podcast about what their goals will be because now we have a fresh new start. What's happened before may not really affect what, as, you know, what happens as we go forward. So that is something that I don't think we've ever really had. I know the introduction of the injury rule really gave us a pathway to, uh, to really think about what we were doing going forward. But this is something all different altogether, and I really look forward to it. Thank you guys once again for listening to the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. I'm George Tillow. This has been the premiere of season four, and I hope to have you guys here weekend and week out on the podcast. Subscribe on Spotify. You guys could just type in San Pedro FIFA League. I am there. You can go to Google. You can go to, I believe, Apple Podcasts as well. Stitcher app, whatever you get your podcast from, go and check us out on there. As for now, that's it. I'll see you guys next week.